really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. He's pretty, big, big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me Back again on the Jumbo Set Podcast on Wednesday, December 6, 2023. My name is Jake Luke. This is a take two of this intro here as we uh, had a little snafu with the video recording. If you're watching this on YouTube and if you're not, you can find us on YouTube, Exit 52 Podcast. That is the network that this podcast is on presented as always by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. My name is Jake Luke and I'm joined once again by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How are we doing? Doing all right. Second take, my fault. We interviewed Brad Spielberger of PFF, who is just a cap and contract guru. He's an analyst for them. He works with overthecap.com, my favorite tool for finding anything NFL contract related. And when he got out, I pressed pause recording, and then I forgot to press play again, and Jake wasn't the one who pressed it, so that's my fault. You know what? There. I'm the producer. I list myself as the producer in the show notes. That's on me. I, I'm going to take the... Nah, uh, I disrupted your path because I wanted to say goodbye to Brad, so I just I disrupted your uh, your normalcy there, so that's that's my fault. We had to take a break right. anyway. I had we, to go... we missed three minutes. I'll do 20 push-ups. We'll, we'll get over We had to take a break. I had to go get my house coat. It's absolutely freezing in here. I think it might be colder in the upstairs in this house than it is outside. Uh, that's happening in my house as well. It's it's cold. Jake and I were talking about how we've been tired. We haven't been sleeping well, but we're excited for the rest of this football season. Some fun games coming down the pipeline. Boys are trying to pick themselves up. Health is wealth, especially in this holiday lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Got to do your best to get some energy out, get a sweat in, You know, not beat down the IPAs too badly and, and try and clean it up during the week for what you do on the weekend. All that good stuff as well. So uh, with that in mind, I think we're going to throw it to Brad to start the episode. Had a really fun chat with Brad. Didn't get too Raven-centric, just enough, I'd say. We got the perfect balance. When we get Brad, I want Brad for NFL. He's so good at predicting contracts and so plugged in with agents and teams and things like that. So we got a ton of good juice. On the other side of that, we're going to be doing a mailbag. We have not done one this entire season, something we did so much at Baltimore Beatdown, but haven't brought over here yet. So figured it'd be a fun time to bring that with the bye week and not really having tape to go over, things like that. So with that in mind, I guess we can throw it on over to Brad and we'll see you guys on the other side. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. It's been a little while. It is Brad Spielberger at PFF Brad. It's good to have you back, my friend, Chicago's finest. We have been wanting to have you on for quite a while. The Ravens are having a pretty exciting year overall, really, when you go back to this past offseason. Brad is a salary cap analyst with PFF. He's a contributor for, honestly, that might be like, over the cap might be like one of my three most used websites, disgustingly, somehow. I think I check it like four times a day. I have a low-key addiction to over the cap. But Brad's a contributor to over the cap. And Brad, wanted to get you started out here. I am a huge Justin Fields guy. I have been for a long, long, long time. So at this stature, Bears coming off a bye. Wanted to ask, see some draft content over at PFF. Trevor Sikama putting some content out. How you feeling? I feel like I know the answer from following you, but how you feeling on Mr. Fields? How you feeling on the upcoming draft? And with the Bears having so much capital, especially at the top of that draft. 
Yeah, look, I love the guy too. I, I wanted to come into this season and see him take that third year leap and become, you know, a great quarterback. And I got, you know, his jersey hanging in my closet right behind me. You know, if I'm being totally honest, I just haven't really seen it. Uh, you know, particularly attacking the intermediate parts of the field on a consistent basis. We know we can throw deep, which yeah, it helps. Um, I do think some something some noticeable growth in his accuracy on short passes, which does matter as well. Like helping, you know, DJ Moore getting yak is obviously DJ Moore. Uh, but also, I think in years past there were some inaccuracies from fields to where it would take away from things like that. So there was growth, but for me. You know, just be, being able to throw to all three levels of the field, in particular in today's NFL, with everyone taking away the deep part of the field, playing so much too high coverage, sitting back in zone. If you can't attack between 20, 10 and 20 yards downfield to the boundary over the middle, you're not going to have a good offense. And, you know, I, I just I, – unfortunately, I have not seen that. So, yeah, I watch a lot of USC and UNC on Saturdays. I'll, I'll put it that way. Are you excited about the fourth year leap when Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman come to Chicago next year? Look, if that's what the route they want to go, I'll, I'm all for it. I, uh, I got a million friends that go to Michigan or went to Michigan, I should say. Uh, you know, Harbaugh is obviously a Bears guy. At least he'd raise the floor. Like, I don't know if, you know, he, you know, get back in a Super Bowl like he did when he played you guys, you know, whatever, a decade ago now. Um, but. Look, uh, eight win, nine win season with a with a coach that would give you a couple fun quotes. That's uh, the Bears fans will take that every time, especially in that NFC. Eight nine wins will, will get you hanging around there, looming, and Jim Harbaugh can go freak some people out in the playoffs. So, would just be great for content. Maybe not the best, but uh, for their record overall. But we'll we'll see. It would be a fun fun throwback if that were the case. So, Brad, I wanted to ask you, it feels like this has been a whirlwind. Obviously, Lamar Jackson at the head of that in many ways. But this last 18 or so months, I would say, it felt like there was a boiling point of like quarterback contract market. A lot of discussions, a lot of weird stuff going on. The CBA, we're in the thick of the CBA, I guess is a good way to put it, where a lot of the bubbling points are coming up of what will be negotiated the next one, which is still not that close. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you, what has been the most intriguing, the most you know contracts, moves, anything, the most intriguing over the last two in terms of structure or just that ended up deferring from expectation and were just interesting to follow or just kind of shocked you or things like that? Yeah, I, mean, I think the most obvious one, of course, you know, especially as it relates to Lamar, but I probably be my answer regardless, is obviously a player getting a five-year fully guaranteed contract. That player being Deshaun Watson in the AFC North with Lamar. And, you know, as good as Watson was on his rookie deal when he got his first contract, I think Lamar could say, you know, unanimous MVP. Well, I guess Watson had one playoff win. So I think the same number of playoff wins, maybe he had two, whatever. Like, I know we point to those things, but I think you'd say all else equal, these are similar on-field production level players over their rookie deals. And then Lamar is not a horrible person off the field. So, you know, there, there's all the reasons why he would ask for it yeah, with no due respect. So, you know, if, so like there's all the reason why you'd understand why he would say, why would I not get a same kind of contract? Why would I not try to follow this trend and be the next player to do that? I never thought it was going to happen. I, I, you know, I, I just didn't think that a team was going to be able to give in when they had the franchise tag at their disposal and when the leverage situation for Watson was just a one-of-one one situation. He basically became a free agent because of, you know, his team's willingness to trade him and obviously, you know, 13 teams lining up to try to get him. So anyway, 
what I think Lamar actually did a very, very good job of, and maybe this was his plan all along. So A, you stay patient and let the market explode around you, which it always does. And then B, when you finally do relent on, okay, fine, we're not going to go fully guaranteed, which frankly to me, at quarterback in particular, isn't really the most important thing because you're going to get three and a half of the five years fully guaranteed anyway with rolling guarantees to protect you for injury. And by the time those three years are up, you're going to want more money like we just saw Mahomes cash in with. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to get a new deal anyway. So, so what he did was the cash flows where he got $80 million in a year, year one, new money, which was the record at the time. Of course, it's been surpassed now by multiple players, but was a, a big jump. Dak Prescott had sat at 75 for a couple of years there. He comes in a noticeable leap. His, his three-year cash flow was incredibly strong. And the Ravens have done a thing where they've kept the total value of contracts down a little bit but have had very strong guarantees and very, very strong early year cash flows, which frankly is what players should actually be going for. And to me is a signal like this is an honest and forthright organization that actually walks their players through every single element, isn't trying to pull a fast one on them, but actually is trying to say, we're trying to give you what matters, um, you know, not what gets reported on Twitter and makes you look cool. Like, you know, we want to set you up for the future. So anyway, long answer short, I think he played it very well, and at the end of the day, actually was the metrics that truly matter, I think he, he did a phenomenal job in cashing in. So is it just Eric DaCosta going to be sending Jalen Hurts' agent a Christmas card here in the coming weeks? It certainly was it was a huge help, right? To get it right before him, like, all right, we go, go with the five years, you're not going to get the four, which obviously we saw. I thought was going to be a bigger push. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Watson the first time, like that was all four. And then we've gone out of five because of Mahomes and Allen at 10 and six. So, yeah, anyway, Jalen Hurts was like, all right, we'll just work right off this, add 5%. Um, it definitely was, it was a nice little uh, a placeholder to work off of. And speaking of which, from that perspective, it feels like after those outlier deals, I, I guess you can maybe throw Mahomes into that just because of the the term length originally, not that it was – concrete at all in any way which it already wasn't but really just Watson there and then so much talking head national media narrative about fully guaranteed deals obviously the percentage that's guaranteed has been going up we see Rodgers Kirk Cousins some other guys and Herbert Jackson all get those but would you say it feels like the quarterback market is a little bit back to status quo and just continued on the path after it felt like Everyone kind of thought it was going to break and just break the NFL wide open. I do. I think it's a good point. Yeah, no, 100%. And that kind of tied back to the there's been this massive push after the Mahomes goes to 10. And like you said, term is obviously for any player, but especially quarterback is extremely you know flexible, malleable. If you play well for two, three years, you come back to the table and say, give me way more money or I'm going to you know cause problems and the team has to relent. So, but still, it is important and it still matters. So getting the Hurts, Lamar, Herbert, Burrow to get to the five-year structure dramatically stronger earlier cash flows for all of those deals, you know, very strong upfront guarantees, but also now the, the things you do steal, the rolling guarantee structure obviously starts with Mahomes. You know, it starts, but kind of, you know, becomes very, very popularized. Josh Allen had a similar construct in his deal. And now every deal say, Hey, if you're not going to fully guarantee the entire thing, you basically are via different mechanisms. But yeah, I do. I think we're back to kind of a boilerplate, a template. And so the next deal is coming up. Dak's new deal. Trevor Lawrence's next next extension, probably this offseason. I'm guessing it'll be, you know, for Lawrence at least, hey, five years, 
57 and a half million. Like it'll, it'll all look the same as what we just saw this offseason. So do you expect that kind of fully guaranteed thing? Will that ever be revisited? Do you think like, I honestly, like, I don't want to assume too much about Caleb Williams, but temperamentally, that seems like a type of guy who could maybe like go that route. Do you see that ever being revisited? You know, look, the Bengals going from like, this is my favorite stat in a while. Like Andy Dalton got $17 million in guaranteed money in his extension in 2014, like less than a decade. And then Joe Burrow got 220 million or whatever it was. Uh, you know, in total guarantees. Like, that was a team that fundamentally refused to guarantee any money outside the first year of a contract. Even Carson Palmer made crazy comments about it. He was like, Joe, do not expect, do not expect that checkbook to come open. And then suddenly the Bengals were like, oh, we'll rename the stadium, bring in this, that, and the other. Yeah, Carson may be a little yeah. biased there, but yeah. Yeah, Paycor Stadium actually is Joe Stadium was the, the actual <laughs> brand name there. But yeah, so so like no, and so that that is meaningful, right? Because you've also now seen in Pittsburgh, besides quarterback, they never guaranteed money answer the first year. T.J. Watt gets it, then Minka Fitzpatrick is able to follow. Green Bay is the last domino to fall. They still have not done it for anyone yet. Um, well, outside of quarterback again. Um, but you know your Jair Alexander's, your Rashawn Gary's, like they they were not able to secure that. But anyway, like th- those are one of those things where. People, I think, talk about, oh, in the next CBA, that's not a CBA thing in any sport. This takes the players and agents forcing their hand and pushing for these things and working together to make sure it happens. So I still don't think we're going to get a five-year fully guaranteed deal anytime soon. But but like I said, like in reality for quarterbacks, it doesn't really matter. And then for players, like just push from, you know, it's, it's kind of two right now and then injury guarantees in the third just, you know, slowly pushed where it's three and then injury guarantees in the fourth. Like it's, it's always gradual. And yes, I do think over time, you know, more and more things will skew in the player's favor. Certainly. And with that, I wanted to just ask you about Lamar Jackson, but really uh, when we have you, it's a, it's almost a waste to not expand. But so you mentioned Burrow, you mentioned Lamar, you mentioned Hertz, you mentioned Herbert. And as that next wave in comes and, and those organizations, those four organizations are, so different in terms of history, success, stability, things of that nature. But the question I had written down was for the Ravens to successfully transition into Lamar Jackson's price tag as it drastically increases next year and the year after, they need to blank. But I want to expand that a little bit further to those four teams, those four organizations, and looking back on what have you kind of noticed when teams do shell out the Boku Bucks for the big money quarterback what are the commonalities you've noticed, structure, talent, whatever decisions it is that have been successful, that have been, you know, short, a flash in the pan versus an utter failure? So what can those teams and the Ravens do to successfully build around what they have just shelled out? Yeah. So I think, you know, first you you are a little bit less active in free agency and it's more about filling depth needs, rotational pieces, or, you know, maybe a starter level player in a non-premium position that, you know, in classic Baltimore fashion, you sign after the compact deadline and after the first and second wave and you're picking your spots there. Um, you are, you know, draft capital is more of a premium. You're not trading picks away necessarily for players. Again, exceptions to the rule all the time or late round picks is a different conversation, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's a different approach to the rookie contract where you are making those moves. You are bringing in outside talent. And then lastly, you make more tough decisions on internal players. So, you know, are you extending good, but not great talent on your roster? And, and, and Baltimore already does this. Like, you know, Zadarius Smith's a great player. Let him go. You know, Matthew Judon, very good player. Let him go. And both of those guys. Really, 
Right, right. And both those guys have gone on to be successful. Like we're not even saying I'm not even saying, oh, like it was a great, you know, I think it was a good decision in both cases. And you know, it kind of worked out for all parties involved. And it's cool to see those guys go on and be be good elsewhere. I'm not like rooting for them to fail. Uh, you know, and you, or you shouldn't be as a fan. Um, but you have to make more of those tough decisions where you probably would love to keep those guys, but you understand that the margin for error is just so much smaller and your ability to Again, really, it's kind of at a simplest level to spend on, you know, the, the good but not great, not special force multiplier type players um, just becomes less and less at, at your disposal. You have to work around that, draft well, um, and just save those bucks for internal extensions for receivers, edge rushers, tackles, you know, you know the, the spots that are impossible to find, you know, interior defensive line in today's NFL. Um, that, that's, that's how it shakes out. The Ravens were kind of at the, I, I really would say the unenviable sort of forefront of this after that 2011 change with the rookie wake scale. I know you said CBA is not a big part of it, but I do think that kind of changed things as far as how you build around quarterbacks. They had to do it around Joe Flacco. It was, uh, you know, they had a pretty tough time with it candidly. How do you expect that to look differently this time around? Point for sure. I mean, obviously with him, you know, had the longer rookie deal, um, you know, and then had I think one of the best playoff runs of all time. So you truly bought at the highest possible point, which I mean, you take that 10 times out of 10, obviously, um, you know, and Mr. Elite in the AFC North, once again, slinging it. Uh, always fun to see. But but yeah, no. So that, that is a good point, right, where your, your rookie contracts are now so much more affordable. And so that's also why like trading those assets. And again, it's not a bright, bright line rule, but the surplus value you generate from hitting on some draft picks is even more beneficial to your roster construction. It, it, the guys have to play longer before they're extension eligible, and they're making way less money on those rookie deals than guys were before that. I mean, you look at Sam Bradford 2010, it was like a five-year, $80 million deal, and then Cam Newton signs for four years, $22 million the next year. Like, it's it's a dramatically different approach and, and kind of construct. So, yeah, yeah, the Ravens, I guess, kind of were the tail end there. Um but yeah, you know, again, it's always fluid. There's always context to it. Um, you know, I think Baltimore has also done a very good job of, We I just talked about positional value, but, you know, and I probably gave them some flack, frankly, personally, like you take a safety and a center in the first round, but it's also because you let an Orlando Brown go, you let a Marquise Brown go, good players, but not great players that are going to make good money elsewhere and you bring in extra first round picks for Odafe Owe. And then, yeah, you can spend on the best player at their position. I mean, both of those guys, Linderbaum and, and Hamilton, probably the best player at their position in, I don't know, five years, a decade at that point. But yeah, you can always bend the rules, but, but yeah, they've made those tough decisions and that's why they are where they are. Definitely. And with that in mind, the good versus great conversation is reaching a ridiculous boiling point with the Ravens free agents that they have upcoming. And this free agent class beyond the Ravens NFL wide is a very perplexing one to me. Uh, overall, obviously a lot of those guys will get franchise tag. They will sign extensions, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll ask you that, about that a little later, but as things stand, Justin Matabike, super interesting having a, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Joe Flacco, who could have who has had a bigger explosion monetarily in the NFL, especially as a non-quarterback, than Justin Matabike this year? Patrick Queen, Geno Stone, who's a, a good, not great player that has some stats. Jadevian Clowney, Michael Pierce is another one. Odell Beckham, they signed a couple void years, which was, you know, you talked about how the Packers have been unwilling to go into that first year. Well, the Ravens have been really unwilling to dip into void years. They do so with Odell Beckham. So with those players and with Mike McDonald in mind who, hey, maybe might not be here next year, but how do you feel about the Ravens looking at those guys and 
which guys make sense market value wise, which guys don't. And what do you kind of expect the Ravens to do? Yeah, first, I, I'd be surprised if Mike McDonald is on the staff next year. I know no one wants to hear that. Every time I tweet that, I get a bunch of Ravens fans that are like, shut up, dude. Like, I'm like, hey, like, the NFL knows how good he is without me tweeting about it. I promise you. But him, I, him mean, I, get it. I don't, I don't like hearing it right now. Just taking out Ohio, or Michigan and just taking out Ohio State was bonkers. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but no, I, I do love it. Raven, Ravens Twitter is one of my favorites. But anyway, um, I think Matty Bouquet is getting in that conversation of like one of the marquee free agents of the entire class. Um, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago, this is before, and he's been good since. Like, no player arguably has made more money for themselves in this year than Justin Matibike. And an agent, not his agent, which is an important caveat, a different agent was like, I, I agree. Like, I, you saw it was like, I, I agree. Like, I, I think he has. And the thing with him is like, it's not to say he was, he's having some breakout contract here after being a bad player. I think he's always been a very high motor, high effort player. You see pursuit tackles, you see a guy that doesn't really take snaps off. He just went from, I think, you know, a good player to a really, really good player. To me, to me just um, very briefly, it seems like it, cerebrally he started to process one step sooner, and that's the difference between a pressure and a sack. Totally right. No, one hundred ten percent. And also, his, you know, eight of his ten sacks. I wrote an article that came out today about uh, the free agents that have boosted their stock the most. Geno Stone's also on there, but yeah, like Meta Medubike, yeah, eight of his ten sacks are on true pass sets. So you know, on on, on uh, you know five or seven step drops, like specific plays to where it's probably harder to generate in theory, you know, get after the quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he is, I think that guy where maybe he's a franchise tag candidate. I would say his price is probably going to, at this point, start with a two and be a really, really big number. Um, you, you know, I, yeah, I mean, look, Draymond Jones gets $17 million a year last year. Zach Allen gets 15.75. I'm not sure why Justin Matabike's wouldn't start at 20 or, or close to it. Um, the rest of that list, frankly, so here's the one. So first, Javon Clowney, maybe you sell him on. You've complained about usage and how you've been deployed a bunch. Clearly, you are get, being maximized in Baltimore. You've signed a bunch of one-year, $8 million, $10 million, $12 million, whatever. Obviously, we're going to have to pay you more than three point two five or whatever it is. But But try to sell him on, yeah, you can go cash out for some bad team and go right back to hating your life. Or... We'll sign you for one year eight again, but you can be, you know, on a special unit and maybe that works. The rest for me, I think are those tough decisions. The one I would highlight too is, so you said, Geno Stone has the stats, obviously has the six interceptions, um, you know, has been a good coverage player regardless, but you go back and look historically at free agency the last couple of years. When you look at guys that are free safeties that pretty much only roam in the deep third, not that he only does that, but he's not really a good box player. He's not really a slot guy that can take on receivers and play man or whatever. He's playing a ton of dime as the third safety sitting in the deep third, which is valuable. Those guys don't get paid. You go look, go, go, unless you're, you know, and I wouldn't even put Jesse Bates in that bucket, but like, unless you're like a true, like, you know, like, like special, special. Yeah, right. Like, it's just, you're not really, it's kind of like you get a lot of like Xavier Woodses and like, you know, like there's just like you know good players that make like four or five a year, but just Trey don't really Boston get... a few years ago used to yes, blow my perfect, mind. Perfect, yeah. Such a productive deep middle of the field close, you know, deep third guy, and just never got paid. No one even really wanted him. It felt like that's that that uh, might be the best example you could have possibly given. So so yeah, so like like that, that type of player has not cashed in. So maybe that happens. But yeah, like you know the Odell's. I joke, but I believe it. Like you basically fold in ten of his fifteen million into Lamar's contract because uh, I think it's basically how it worked. Um, but if he wants the same amount, you're not, I mean, I wouldn't offer him um, half of what he gave him this year, you know, with, with all due respect, like, you know, he's a good player. He's looked better recently, um, you know, had a little bit of zip, good separation, et cetera. But anyway, you then get into 
I don't know. I, I think after paying Roquan Smith, I probably let Patrick Queen walk. I think he has shown growth as well. He was kind of in a vortex in coverage. What was that? A couple games ago, was it the Bengals? Maybe the guy was in no man's land half the game. But like, anyway, again, uh, with all due respect, uh, like I just think there's a lot of good, talented, athletic, productive players. But I just think you have to let a lot of these guys go, um, you know, and and prioritize. I think appears to this stage rotational great nose tackle can create some pressure. Um, now I'm kind of just rambling. Like I, I like a John Simpson. I think he's been a good guard this year for the for the Ravens, but. Long answer short, you can ask some specifics. I just think the rest of those guys are margin calls where if you had a rookie contract quarterback, maybe you keep them. Now that you're paying Lamar this much, maybe you don't. Certainly. And to me, I mean, Matt Abike, the one guy I think they really look at that matters. I think the rest, they have probably have a number. And if they cross that number, they're like, go get it. Go get it somewhere else. Uh, with that in mind, kind of just wanted to look ahead to the Ravens offensive nucleus and anything else they can do. You kind of touched on all of it, and I guess I can roll in some other questions. But really right now, I think one of the most undercover issues maybe of any like good organization right now is the Ravens offensive nucleus. Mark Andrews included that, has tightrope surgery. The Ravens have Tyler Linderbaum, Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson. Their running backs are free agents. They do have you know a Keaton Mitchell who's been running around the last couple weeks, but not exactly going to include him in any long-term plans. Nelson Aguilar is a free agent. Devin Duvernay is a free agent. Rashad Bateman under contract for one more year after this. Ronnie Stanley is what I really wanted to ask you about here, who, according to Over the Cap, is a $15 million saving with a post-June 1st designation, which, if I'm not mistaken, you can release that player before that with that designation, and then I'm fuzzy after that. Maybe the money doesn't come available till June. I can't recall. But yeah, $11 million dead. Uh and I just kind of wanted to ask you, I, I feel like with David Bakhtiari and Taylor Lewan, and I guess Trent Williams with Ronnie Stanley as the, the four left tackles that have really gotten paid from that couple, couple years. It was like 2017 to 2019. That was kind of the elite group there. Uh, three of those guys suffered traumatic injuries. One of them is kind of still playing at all. Ronnie Stanley, who's missed a hell of a lot of games. Then you have Trent Williams, who's just an outlier athlete, human force brick wall whatever he is with that in mind with the ravens lack of long-term answers throughout their entire offense aside from really lamar where would you expect what is the conversation with ronnie stanley and that's something that ravens fans have been that's that's kind of one of the jump off talking points right now it's, it's a great question and it's been interesting like, even when he has played there's been some good but there's also been some like you're watching the film and it's like He's. A, I'm comfortable saying he has played at a completely average left tackle right. level for a starting right. veteran left tackle. Right. And so obviously we're not doctors here, or maybe you guys are. But like, you know, first I would say I don't know the situation. Is there a belief that he's going to get better, improve, and get healthier and play better? Maybe. I would imagine it's kind of been long enough to where like he's probably – this is probably who he is. I think with those guys, you mentioned the other guys. Like I, I thought Green Bay was – certifiable entering this season with a $17.5 million salary on David Bakhtiari, whose injury situation is way worse than Ronnie Stanley's. Granted, he probably plays better when he does play, but he doesn't play. Um, I think you approach the guy and, and, and talk pay cut. And this goes back to, you know, one of the conversations we had in the beginning of the show, Stanley's deal. If you look at APY, like didn't stack up with the other names you just mentioned, he was making more money in the early years of his deal than all of those players. Like, uh, like there, there is, um, 
you know, a flatter structure. And and the great thing is that there's, that's why there's not a balloon in the later years where the salary skyrockets to some huge number. Like he has an $11 million salary and a $4 million roster bonus in 2024. Even if he's his current construct, even if you he says no to the pay cut, you might even still be like, you know what? We'll probably hang on to that and restructure half of it, whatever, use a first-round pick or a second-round pick on tackle probably and try to find a solution in the near future. But, like, it's not completely untenable. Um, and you have a, a good player at right tackle and Morgan Moses still under contract. So, anyway, though, I think you do say, look, this is a contending team. This is a contending roster. We've always been a believer in you. You know, the injuries suck, whatever. We're we trying paid to- you a ton right. as quickly as possible. Right. Right. We're trying to win Super Bowls. Are you down to say chop four million dollars off and, and we'll we'll both be happy with it or convert, you know, a couple million dollars into incentives tied to snap snaps played in or, or per game roster bonuses or something like that, where you still could earn all of it, but we just have some protection and, and, and maybe that is a solution that both parties are amenable to. Is it a situation where like if that you know a Actually, go ahead, Spenny. I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> that one, should, uh, Ronnie Stanley doesn't sit right with Jake. I don't think. I, yeah, I it's think just like I don't know. I don't like it, this. Is the all due respect podcast? That's what I'm titling it. All due respect, Ronnie Stanley. I, I, I I'm not even going to get into it, into it, but he's uh, he's been pretty rough for sure. Uh, with that in mind, just really wanted to get your take, your preview. I was trying to look around as many free agents as I could. Kirk Cousins in a weird situation couple of it's the classic like quarterbacks that float around and could it's like 18 Jimmy G's of this year it feels like there's like Tannehill there's Gardner Minshew Baker Mayfield Jameis Winston all those guys uh the running back class super strong offensive line wise a couple guys that are maybe over the hills some interesting guys like Becton wide receiver class and then the front seven defenders to me feel deep and strong it's always easy to say that in – it's December. I almost said November. Always easy to say that in November. Oh, wow, look at this free agent class. Do you think of those premier kind of front seven pass rushers and wide receivers, many or any of them get to free agency? And if so, who? And how do you see that playing out? I think a good amount, Will. So obviously, like, there are always going to be some that don't. Like, Brian Burns is getting franchise tagged in Carolina. I'm sure Josh Allen is getting franchise tagged in Jacksonville. Um, you know, you look at the receivers, T Higgins will get tagged, Michael Pittman will get tagged, but I do think there is some good depth there and you still will have some legitimately good football players in both of those camps. Um, you know, on the interior is a lot of depth too. There's a lot of different styles and flavors too, like both veteran and young, both, you know, zero one tech, three tech, even like five tech type guys, like an Danico Autry type player. That's kind of a pseudo edge interior guy. Like I think there is, I think it's a one of the better free agent classes. This is my prediction. Hopefully, I'm not wrong. Like post franchise tag window, I think it'll be one of the better free agent classes of the, of the last couple of years. Um, I, I do. I just think there's a lot of guys that are kind of on that fringe that a team's like, you know what? We're still going to be in the market. We're probably still going to make an offer. Maybe we keep him, but we don't quite have him at like tag level. Um, I, I think there's a lot of those type of guys. Certainly. And uh, I guess the, the one last one that I'm most curious about, and Jake, this is your your muse almost. This is like Jake's negative muse. Aaron Rodgers in New York. What in all the due, all due respect. The, what, what all can due the respect. Jets do at this point? All due respect. The all due respect. What can the Jets do at this point? 
all due respect uh, to Mr. Rogers, um, you know, if he first can convince Zach to take snaps next week, that's the first thing on his plate. Um, so he'll that, deal with that. Sounded like he was. Uh, he was. That, that had to come from his agent, right? Like whatever that hesitation was, or whatever. Sounds like Aaron's his like, agent. He's doing the car wash at ESPN today. You know, taking up for him, taking up the the banner for Zach. Yeah, I, I think it come from the locker room too. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, uh, uh, I don't even to go into that whole conversation of what, what's sure. going on with, with ZW in, in New York. But uh, I look, the Jets. I still think actually can. As funny as it sounds, like eh, things could flip and they could have positive variance and positive regression in, in all the ways that it was terrible this year. I mean, they probably need to put a new surface in at MetLife to avoid all the injuries they've had. Um, so there's actually a fundamental thing they need to do. But like the offensive line was kind of neglected, which was you know a problem. Obviously, backup quarterback. But anyway, long answer short, Aaron Rodgers, the blemishes that guy can cover up. If you bring him back in, you get a legitimate number two receiver with a Garrett Wilson. And let's say you retain Makai back in and you add more talent there. Like I, I have, I have all faith that they can be a top third of the NFL offense. Like as bad as it's looked, that's what elite quarterbacks do. Again, not a doctor. Granted, his Achilles is okay. Um, I, I think they can figure that out, especially if they get like a Devonte Adams or they pick high enough. Now they get a Malik Neighbors, you know, Romo Dunze type of type of talent. Um, I think they could be okay because the defense is legit. Very well said. With that, we'll uh, we'll get you out of here with this. Rest of the NFL, we're we're deep. We're in the uh, the annals here of the NFL season, and December down the slate. We're post Thanksgiving. The buys are over. What do you have for the rest of the year? How do you think this one plays out? So many quarterback injuries. So many teams that have looked outstanding but aren't, and it kind of feels like that's the exact desired outcome of the NFL and the parity. So, how do you think the uh, any any general predictions you have? or inklings you have for how the rest of the season plays out and in through the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I really think at this point, it's like a three horse race in both conferences. I think it's San Francisco, Philly and Dallas in the NFC. And I think it's Baltimore, Kansas city and Miami in the AFC. And I mean, I, I try to talk myself into Jacksonville being a team that could maybe join the conversation. Forget the Trevor I just Lawrence placed injury. a future on them plus 1600. Like I think four days ago. Yeah. Uh, you throw that ticket <laughs> in the trash. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but they're like, forget Trevor Lawrence injury. Their defense is a joke. Like that last night was embarrassing. Um, and then, and then the Lions. I think Aline McNeil is by far the second best player on the defense. You know, with Aiden Hutchinson just got placed on IR for a month. Um, they are 29th in EPA per play and 30th in success rate over the second half of their season. So I think they're kind of not really a contender either. So yeah, I think it's those six teams I mentioned. Um, I would predict San Fran. Uh, makes it out of the NFC, and, and I really do think right now, if I had to pick a team of the AFC, I'm not saying this because I'm on a, a Baltimore Ravens podcast, I probably would go Baltimore. Um, I do have concerns over you know the past game post-Mark Andrews. I know he might be able to come back at some point, but um, you know I, I think you can work through it. You can figure it out. I mentioned that Odell was kind of turning a corner a little bit. Maybe Rashad Bateman also kind of turning a corner a little bit, um, but, but their defense is just, you know, very, very good, obviously, um, and, and I think they can still work through the attrition they've had um, on offense. So, yeah, kind of a boring prediction, probably pretty chalky, but I, I just struggle to see another team um, being a legit contender outside of that, you know, three and three. 
Last last one I actually had. I'm a little curious about Buffalo as kind of a test case for like post paying a quarterback because he kind of you know I wouldn't say they're in disarray. They're still like in the playoff picture, but they've had a down season expectations wise. They paid Josh Allen early a couple of years ago. Is this kind of you know I, I wouldn't say necessarily looking into the future with the Ravens having just paid their quarterback, but what do you make of them as a test case for you know paying the uh, the quarterback the big contract and we're a couple of years in now. Job and Baltimore does this too, um, as well as anyone of all the early extensions. Like they paid so many dudes early, and a lot of those deals have still aged very, very well. And um, you know, but unfortunately, like a Trey White injury kills you, but but a Matt Milano injury kills you, and both of those deals I thought were awesome. The Dawkins deal is is still awesome, but they were so good at it that it enabled them to pay Von Miller really three years, fifty-five million. The number that's reported is irrelevant. Like you know, like our three or whatever it is, three or fifty-two and a half. Um, and again, he was great last year, ACL tear killer. Um, so long answer short, like it just kind of bit them. And now you have two starting safeties that are in their thirties. Von Miller is pretty much done. I, I think at this point as incredible, I mean, first ballot hall of famer, but like, I don't know, maybe he gets healthier, who knows, but I don't think we see Von Miller again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, what we talked about the, the last piece, most importantly, they're just their drafting has just not been good enough the last couple of years. Like, I mean, you trade up for Kyrie Elam, he, he, like he's barely even on the roster a year later. Um, you know, you, and all their trade up, they trade up for Tremaine Edmonds, don't don't extend him. You trade up for Cody Ford off the team in two years. Um, you know, Dalton Kincaid's fine. It seems like they've struggled yeah. to develop those guys, and it's like I think of AJ Epinesa, who they had like lose a bunch of weight, and it took him years to get comfortable, and he's like starting to be kind of productive. Like Greg Rousseau, a very raw player that needed a lot of development. It just feels like they took some guys that they had a long-term plan for. and It just was tough to drag them there, and it it was a little bit uh, overly positive. I can't think of the right word. Overly optimistic to get them there, but continue. Fair point. Fair point. Like Oliver's good now. Like I like the Oliver deal too. He's another one. It it took him a while. They had a plan, but it took so long to squeeze that out of him. Yeah, no, 100, 110%. So, um, and they're there now, and his deal, you know, compared to the market is, is pretty good. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just it's just tough. Like, it's just kind of the window nature of the NFL. Um, like, they're going to have a tough offseason. They're bottom five in projected cap space, a bunch of, not a ton of pending free agents, but, like, they don't have answers at a lot of positions and not a ton of resources to, to find answers. So, yeah, it's like they're, they're in a tough spot. They'll be fine. Like, I don't, they're not, like, dead. Like, the Chargers, I think, like, They'll be relevant in 2025 at the earliest. I don't. I wouldn't put the Bills in that category, um, but it's tough. Like Diggs will be 30 next year. Like it's, you know, they, I won't say they went all in because they didn't, but they kind of chased a window and injuries just just killed them. Really, that Von Miller one too. Well, Brad, we appreciate your time so so much. You can find Brad at PFF Brad. Anything else you want to plug? Any work you're working on? I know you had a book not too long ago. Any anything else uh, down the the pipeline that you want people to check out and. Brad, you're you've been one of my you're one of my I would put you I'll blow some smoke up your butt. You're one of my top like 20 people that I fucking love on Twitter. You're you're always quick. You and uh, I actually wanted to ask you one last thing. She got what is the most proud you've been of a contract projection that you've nailed and which one shocked you and you were furthest off on? Brad has been money on nailing contract projections for years now. Well, I appreciate all, all the compliments. Very kind of you. I mean, probably Lamar one just because it was literally down to the penny, down to the number. And, like, no one had a clue what was going on with that contract. Like, 
And I, you know, I'll tell you, like 99% of them are just me. I almost don't want feedback and don't want to reflect what I hear. Some of, some of them all change. Like, for example, um, I had Juwan Taylor initially at like 13 and a half, 14 million dollars. It was kind of like a Joe Noteboom esque contract. And everyone, I had two different teams be like, you're dramatically off of the value on Juwan Taylor. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I appreciate the feedback. I'll go look at it some more. It did make sense. He had pretty, a very good true pass set numbers as a pass blocker. He's a horrific run blocker, but teams don't really care about, you know, how good their tackles run block they can, sometimes. They can scheme that. They can scheme that. Right, exactly. So, um, and so, and, and you know, now it's funny because my value is probably closer to what he should have gotten paid than what he got paid. But, um, but anyway, like, yeah, like that, that one was pretty shocking. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with those. We'll go with those. And I'll say on that note, um, I am diving full head into free agency right now. I know Ravens fans are actually focused on the current season, uh, which, you know, I'm jealous. That sounds fun. Um, but for, for the rest of us that, that are focused on the off season, like me every, every December, um, yeah, I'm going to, it's going to be a much bigger product, a much more fleshed out, more comps and historical things looking at, like just bringing way more, um, you know, frankly, film and data into the equation. So I'm, I'm very excited about the, the free agent, uh, board coming out soon. And for anyone listening, yes, I accidentally misfired on the Al Pacino great ass soundbite there. It should have been the Owen Wilson. Wow. I apologize. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brad. We appreciate you. Make sure to go follow Brad and we'll, uh, we'll probably talk to you again this off season or something like that. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We are back from the interview. Very fun chat with Brad. Uh, always, always fun to get guests on here. We haven't, uh, that's another thing we, you know, want to get back into the rhythm on, but it's, you know, it's tough, man. Recording three of these podcasts a week, you know, you gotta, gotta budget your time out. Gotta, gotta, uh, schedule things out a little bit, but, uh, Bye week was really the perfect time to do it, and I think that was the uh, the perfect chat for the bye week. It certainly was, and now that I'm reading between the lines, which I don't think we would have done if I didn't have a moment there after my little hiccup to uh, to bring it back to clarity. What did Brad really just tell us? And Brad is plugged in. Brad basically just told us franchise tag Matabike, which I would assume leads to an extension because the Ravens can't really afford the franchise tag, and basically said. Maybe they keep Geno Stone unless he wants too much. He probably won't get that much. Clowney, maybe they offer another one-year deal. Patrick Queen, probably gone, was kind of the tone I got there. Uh, so I'm not sure that Brad knew that that's what I would take it as, but that's what I got from that conversation. And we talked about Lamar Jackson and moving forward and what the Ravens need to do. And in prep for that, like I, like we said in the interview, like Ravens don't really have anything on offense. They have Zay Flowers. Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, Tyler Linderbaum, a couple linemen that are like signed for another year or two, Ronnie Stanley, which we talked about, and is in its entire other section of conversation. That's going to be some picks. That's going to be some free agent depth on the offensive line. That's going to be bringing back a Nelson Aguilar, an Odell Beckham. And I don't know if Brad is super plugged into the nuance. I don't think he really cared enough to look at the nuance of Odell, but. From what I gather, it costs more to let Odell Beckham go next year than to bring him back and then use more void years or something like that. So uh, maybe we see Odell back for another year, but Ravens got some drafting to do. Like they need another receiver again. They have Bateman for one more year and uh, maybe he can get back into form a little bit. I don't know. This is a huge period or stretch of time for him to be a part of their plans or not. It feels like, and not to spoil the mailbag, we had some questions on those kinds of things, but Really fun chat with Brad and just always love uh, getting that round the NFL contractual preview during the season. 
in the bye week. Such a good bye week guest, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, good, uh, good chat. Some good uh, stuff on what's going on with the Blackhawks, and uh, also some talk on Zach Wilson there. So draw your own conclusions. Uh, as to what's been going on with the Blackhawks and uh, what has gone on with Zach Wilson in the past. A lot of parallels there. Uh, But yeah, just a a fun chat overall. And uh, how about we jump into the mailbag? Certainly, let's do it. So head on over to Twitter for the first one. And got a lot of good questions on there. Usually Instagram pops off a little bit more. First one, Kelly Patrick McCoy at boring underscore robophobe. (laughs) Wow. What do you think next year's offensive line is going to look like best and worst case scenario? So the thing that I, that Cole and I were, and that almost sounds Colin and I, Cole and I were in lockstep on was that Greg Roman's offensive line and what he can skate by with because of his run splits, because of some of the stuff he likes to do is very different from a Todd Munkin. The Ravens offensive line currently is not athletic enough. They can't move in space enough. Todd Munkin wants to throw screens. He wants to spread the field laterally quickly. The only guy they have that really meets that is Tyler Linderbaum. They have one out of five guys that kind of meet the, and and he blows it out of the water, but kind of meets that athletic threshold. We've seen Ronnie Stanley get like a couple sneaky block in the backs and stuff on screens. And he was a guy that would have been so great before that injury, which you know, we can say it's unfortunate a thousand times, but it is unfortunate. Um, so I think that offensive line needs to have an athletic edge to them. Like they need to be the types that are out in space, destroying DBs and stuff. Like they need guys that can run a little bit more zone, can climb to the second level. Um, but you don't want the finesse players, I feel like, still. I think you still need kind of bad intentions. Willing to lose a couple reps, but super athletic. So I think that's a big shift from being able to trot Ben Powers out for a couple years and, uh, you know, have have a couple other guys plodding along and what they had at center and some of that stuff. So uh, best case is, I don't know, that they draft a, I guess a rookie tackle would be my my best case. If you're talking about the offensive line, I guess they go get uh, one of those top tier guys, maybe a Joe Alt, who maybe isn't the most athletic uh, Olu Fashana will get taken too early. Uh, the kid out of Oregon State is not really that athletic type. So there's some other guys we'll dive into all that, but I would assume it would be your know, best case is that you supplement in free agency. Zeitler is a free agent. Morgan Moses, they have for another year. Uh, John Simpson would probably be very cheap. I don't think that they really care about John Simpson one way or the other. He's, you know, uh, we love him for his content, but, you know, he's just another, he's just another guard. Uh, at the end of the day. So worst case is that Ronnie Stanley gets hurt. They don't draft an offensive tackle. Patrick McCary starts. He is a very nice sub, but hasn't really been healthy himself. Uh, and I think there's, you know, some reasons for that and things that we had kind of heard about why he uh, isn't really a long-term starter, but just tough. <laughs> they're, they're probably going to pick at the end of the first. And I saw someone tweet, Maybe two weeks ago, they were like, oh, yeah, all the good tackles are top 10 picks. And I was like, that's not true. And then I went and looked. Pretty much all of the good tackles in the NFL, especially left tackle, are like top 20 picks. Pretty much all of them. So I don't know. It's tough. Uh, The offensive line, you know, not being in sync. Like you look to the Eagles and you're like, fuck them. They have. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata is a pro bowler. Lane Dickerson's probably an all pro 
The left guard is Cam Jurgens, who's going to take over for Kelsey and is a super athletic center uh, that has obviously positional versatility. And you're like, all right, well, the Ravens don't have that. So if you're going to have a quarterback that you pay that amount of money, the stupidest thing you can do is not have a good enough offensive line or really have a great offensive line to make sure they can win the games they're supposed to. Look at the Chiefs. And people talk about Tyreek Hill going to Miami trading and not they paid Joe Tooney and drafted Creed Humphrey and got Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. And like they couldn't hit on a single receiver. If they hit on one receiver, they would probably be in first place in the AFC right now. They just haven't yet. So I would rather protect Lamar Jackson first than do anything else offensively. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably going to be the approach is what it always has been. And it served them well, but you're right about the tackles and, really needing to get to get those guys in the premium spots. It's just, it's hard to make it work. Otherwise, like think back to Michael Orr, uh, one of the few like investments I can think of them making in that late first round and, you know, solid right tackle for a couple of years, but you know, not nearly what they wanted or needed him to be. That's kind of what you're looking at at that end of first round type. So I don't know, man, it just seems like they're, they're going to have to gamble. And like Brad said, they're going to have to hit on some of these draft picks and probably get a little lucky. Like they're going to need Andrew Voorhees to probably be something here. And that's kind of tough to bank on. It's good that they made that pick, I think, because it's uh, one of those uh, stash and kind of just wait it out and see what happens uh, type of guys. But, you know, whether he projects as a guard or attack, I don't know what their plans are for him, but they want him to become something for sure. And then, yeah, like, you hate to say that it's going to have to come down to some luck, but it definitely is because you're not going to be drafting in that top 10 where you can get as close to a lock as you can get with a tackle. Even that's not a lock, obviously, but it's going to take some uh, some sharp eyes and some good fortune here to uh, to keep Jackson upright. Certainly, we'll be looking to that position this offseason, whatever happens with the Ravens season. Andy Shambliss, Chambly. Is the Ravens window this season only lots of free agents upcoming? Do you think EDC and company can keep the roster at a Super Bowl level with big decisions looming? Yeah, their model, and they've told us about it, is to compete for the championship every year. I don't think they ever want a one-year window. They have never shown us that they want a one-year window, and I think they'll continue to kind of push forward in that sense. The big question mark is, is Mike McDonald there, it feels like, and they do have a couple guys, you know, Anthony Weaver and a couple guys that could maybe take over and do whatnot and so forth, but those guys weren't going and destroying Ohio State for the first time in six years for Michigan. I, I don't know, like, I have nothing but respect for Anthony Weaver and some of the guys in the Ravens staff, but that's a huge question mark. Like, surviving the loss of McDonald is easier if you keep Stone and Queen and Matabike, but they're probably not going to be able to. So uh, with that in mind, they have to hit. You just have to hit on guys. And we, we just talked about with Brad. Jake, you brought up the Bills. And Brad said they didn't hit in the draft. That's kind of what bit them. They had one injury, Von Miller, a couple more snowballed defensively. And then they haven't drafted an offensive impact player. They haven't. So the draft becomes MT more important when you have a quarterback with that price tag. Yeah, and that's just kind of the the way that NFL has worked post-2011, and it's the paradox of it where you need a guy like Jackson or like Josh Allen or like Mahomes or like Jalen Hurts, but uh, you know, once they get to that contract, they start to really hamstring you as far as uh, flexibility with your roster. So, you know, talking about the primo position studs and positional value and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, 
has rankled me a little bit in the past. I mean, it's definitely, there, there's a lot of truth in that. And like, you, you know, you got to really be on your P's and Q's with roster building. When you get to this point in the guy's career where he is the uh, franchise, you're paying him all this money and uh, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, man, I mean, you, you make an interesting point there where it's not just about players. It's about this coaching staff. I think McDonald has proven himself to be an incredibly, incredibly valuable piece. I mean, like we obviously all loved Wink Martindale, but I don't know. I just like this, this defense is, I got to say one of the best ones I've probably seen from the Ravens ever. And that's in this modern NFL with all the relaxed rules. That's uh, why it's so impressive. Yeah. Because it is in today's NFL. Yeah. And that's why like, you know, I, I loved Wink to death, but I mean, it was kind of just like, I'm just going to go Mad Max Fury road on these guys in every single situation, no matter what. And that won them some games and it bit them in other places. It seems like there's a lot more nuance with McDonald. You've made the point that he just seems like a very well-adjusted, smart kind of cutting edge guy. So yeah, that is uh, that really to me is going to be the big loss because not only are you probably going to lose some of these guys that are on the fringes of getting a big deal from Baltimore and probably will go elsewhere, but you're also losing the guy the guy that could maximize their uh, potential replacements. So it's going to be tough. And I do you know to the to the question, I kind of do think this is the window. Like l- let's go get this thing done right now. And if not, it's not going to be apocalyptic. But I think this is probably going to be their best shot for the next couple of years. You certainly could be right, Mark Andrews. Health in question. Um, they need a war horse. And I love Zay. We love Zay Flowers. He's damn good. They just need one. If they just could get one more. And this is going to be the deepest receiver class. Maybe. I mean, maybe ever. Considering the top talent. Neighbors is probably going to be a top 10 pick. Harrison's probably going to be a top 5 pick. Then there's like Odunes, Coleman. There's The third round of this draft could be crazy, crazy, crazy with receivers. There's guys left, right, up, and down. So... They need one more dude. And Bateman, due to injury, due to whatever, hasn't quite been it. Maybe he can take off coming out of the bye. Maybe he can build up stronger next year. But still, they just need one more. And I would feel really good about this team in that vein. Moving on, Jake Vogel at Real Jake Vogel. Who has a bigger game against the Rams? Zay Flowers or Keaton Mitchell? What is the defensive matchup you are most worried about? From the Rams offense versus the Ravens defense, Kyron, Puka, Cup. What you set the line at without looking at what Vegas put out there. I'll say if I was going to set the line of the Ravens coming off a bye against a Rams team that I think played a few games since their bye. Let me take a look at their schedule. We haven't got in. We'll get into the preview and go a little deeper. I'll, I'll say it looks like they had their bye... They have played December 3rd, November 26th, the week before that, the 19th. Looks like it was November 12th was their bye. So they played one, two, three. This will be their fourth game. It's going to be the vaunted West Coast to East Coast 1 p.m. kickoff, which does not bode well. So um, I would set this line at, I don't know, man. I guess because the Ravens are at home, I would set it at eight and a half. Somewhere around there. If I was setting the line, the Ravens have quietly covered, I think in five out of their last seven. And I think they're eight and four covering this year, the spread. So uh, tough to come play in Baltimore. John Harbaugh so good after the bye and tough there. Uh, Jake, how are you feeling about Keaton Mitchell, Zay Flowers? I'd probably go Zay just based upon what we saw last week. I think if you want to take some of the stuff that the Browns did, and I know it's not certainly not a one-to-one Monken to Stefanski offense, and you'd actually want to see Monken maybe run the ball a little bit more consistently 
I don't know. I think maybe this could be a uh, use the uh, use the play action to set up the pass. Uh, saw Flacco look as good as he's probably looked since he was wearing a Ravens uniform in that game. Uh, and like I said, obviously the Browns do a little bit different things. They're more out of single back. They run those stretch runs uh, with their guys that they have. So it's it, it would look different, but I don't know. I, I kind of like Zay Flowers to uh, build off a big performance that he had going into the bye week. Um, and I mean, obviously, like he's to me, he's really the, the go-to guy, at least as far as talent-wise, uh, in that receiving core, whereas you still have a little bit of gust. They still want to seem to get Justice Hill involved here and there. I know that's aggravating some people, um, but yeah, I, I'd probably go Zay. Yeah, I think he's ready to rock and roll, and for how good he's been before the bye, they say after the bye, you're not a rookie anymore, especially when you've played 12 games before your bye, so him getting a refresher is nice, and Zay is a war horse. Zay definitely is a little a little warthog there. Uh, has been sturdy and been able to keep rocking and rolling. And like Mike Tomlin said, he'll go into those dark places and he doesn't care. So definitely super fired up for that one. Will Hill's burner. Pick one. Resign, tag, let walk. You can only use the tag once. Matabike, Queen, Stone, Clowney, Zeitler. Pick one. I'm not sure if this is a FMK situation here. I think he's saying pick one for each player. Um, I, I'll just say I, you got to keep one of Matabike and Queen. You have to keep one of those two guys. I'm keeping one of them. I don't think they can tag anyone. The tag for Queen is 20 million. The tag for Matabike is 20 million. The Ravens don't have that to allocate to one cap hit to one player, considering they have other places to go. Uh, with the football. Uh, Clowney, I would re-sign. Zeitler, man, I don't, uh, it's tough. I don't know how much money he wants. I don't love the idea of letting guys walk uh, on the offensive side of the ball, but money's tight. So I'd say re-sign Matabike. I guess let Queen walk. Stone, let walk. Clowney, keep. That's my and list too. And it's like, like to the, to the point though, to the interview, like, you're just going to have to trust your drafting a little bit. You pick Trenton Simpson in the third round. Like you can't just keep picking these linebackers in the third round. And I know that like it's just their approach and BPA and like at a certain point it doesn't matter, but like the margins are starting to get a little tighter here and you're just going to have to trust that a little bit. And they've got a guy ready to step up and it won't be an easy transition. I'm sure, but I don't know. Positional value wise. I think you definitely have to go with Matt And I love queen. Agreed. Tough spot. Money tight. Brad did make me feel good there. Uh, Joe DeMartin, who is the playoff X factor? The overlooked, underrated player who has to play down well down the stretch if the Ravens want to go to the promised land. All right, we already talked about this one a little bit. I, I think it's Bateman. I think that Odell has been... I, I think you've, we've seen what we're going to get from Odell. I think the intensity on him will turn up even more. He'll fight more. He'll play through injury even more in the playoffs, things like that. Uh, Bateman has started to come on stronger and feel more confident. Scores a touchdown. He's made a couple of ridiculous catches, you know, a couple catches. But Mark Andrews' target share was, I think, 21%. And that means that there's 21% of the Ravens' targets. One out of every five pass plays is going to somebody who's not Mark Andrews now. So I think to Bateman, that's going to give you four, five, six, seven targets a couple games here down this stretch uh, with that foot. Trying to build off of that, I think he's shown some resilience, gets a little injured up earlier this year, and is still that three-level guy. Um, and a lot of questions about the deep ball in this that I guess we'll get to, but 
got to go fight for those, man. Him and Zay, and and there's a whole whole thing going on. We'll get into a little bit, but mine would be, I think, Rashad Bateman. It's funny that we're both going with the exact answer that we gave on the radio the other night, but yeah, I'm just going to go with the offensive line, like, and especially what we saw with uh, Trevor Lawrence and what we've seen with a lot of these quarterbacks throughout the year. Like, they've just they've got to keep Lamar upright. Uh, and I don't think Stanley is going to start playing at a Pro Bowl level magically after the bye week, but just got to get back to average. That Chargers game was not good enough from him. It wasn't good enough from a lot of them. John Simpson, you know, obviously kind of the uh, the last man on the totem pole, got to start picking it up. These guys have got to get healthy, get their minds right, and figure this shit out because, you know, the last thing they can afford is a quarterback injury like a lot of these other teams are having. No one can afford that, obviously, but uh, with the way this team is looking right now, you got to keep Lamar as clean as possible, so that's my X factor. Certainly. Moving on here. Using the eye test, it looks like the Niners and Eagles are significantly better in the trenches than most of the AFC, maybe except the Chiefs. I can Which confirm my AFC? my eye test metrics actually uh, check that out too. So I don't know what model he's using, but it seems similar to mine. Love that. Uh, which other AFC teams potentially could give a good game in a potential Super Bowl, and how would they be able to do so? I mean, I think the Ravens' defensive front is pretty ridiculous. They haven't really had anyone beat them up thoroughly. And the one thing that sticks out to me about either of those two teams is just the consummate physicality of the 49ers with McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle. And it's really just Debo. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's a tough guy. McCaffrey's a tough runner for sure. But Debo just beat the shit out of the Eagles. He just busted right through that door. I was a little skeptical that he was going to get back to that this season. A guy that definitely has been playing like that for low key a long time through college and high usage and injuries and all that good stuff. But just the physicality that they bring. I don't know that there's another team that can match that other than the Ravens with a guy like Kyle Hamilton, with Roquan Smith, with Patrick Queen, with Marlon Humphrey, who hopefully is getting healthy. Um, I think Brandon Stevens has been a very physical player. I think Marcus Williams is a very physical player, the one-armed man himself. Uh, you know, Justin Matabike running guys down. So I think the best matchup of those teams in the AFC is the Ravens for the 49ers. We will see that on Christmas night, and maybe I'll stick my foot in my mouth there, but uh, confident in that one a little bit. And conversely, I think the Eagles are a bad matchup for the Ravens. I think the Eagles are really well-balanced, and I think that they can do a little bit of everything. Running the ball – uh, isn't their forte while it also like their explosive run game feels like it's wearing thin. And I think they're starting to get tired and they have the craziest stretch of games humanly possible going on right now. I think someone said, you know, their pl the playoff started early. The Eagles have played the Cowboys since playing the Where are we since playing the commanders on October 29th, Cowboys chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys again, and then Seahawks before they get a nice little cupcake, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So they're on a crazy stretch that's beating them up right now. I still like them to get the one seed and get that bye, but I, I think I would definitely rather play the 49ers, I feel like, than, than the Eagles. I think the 49ers front can deal with the Ravens a little bit better than the 49ers. The Eagles front could deal with the Ravens better than the 49ers front could offensively. Yeah. And I mean, like you talk about the eye test, like I, you know, Brock Purdy's fine. I'd much rather face him than Jalen Hurts in a big game. I agree. Cowboys, are, are Cowboys sneaky just kind of sitting there? 
Good luck dealing with They're, Micah Parsons. I in can't a Super wait. Bowl. I can't. I can't wait to see what the Cowboys do. I can't yeah. wait. It's very exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited. Dak playing so well. Dak is my MVP this year so far. Yep. Is PB and J better than better with grape jelly or strawberry? Asks Theo Barry at the OB Extra Points. Um, I don't know how to respond to this one because I only will ever get grape jelly, but I am delighted when there's if like someone gives me an uncrustable or something like that and it's strawberry, I'm like, ooh, I don't even think that strawberry is a possibility. Like I never even think, but I'm always delighted when I get it. Yeah, I I probably tend more towards grape, but I do I think you're right. I think that's just a product of osmosis. Like if I had uh, more exposure to strawberry, maybe I would say that because the uncrustable obviously that does it uh, really does it for me. So yeah, I like them both. I'd probably say grape just like I said, based on exposure, but uh, open to having my mind changed. If you got any literature, feel free to send it my way. Bingo, bingo, boom. We got to get some jelly sponsorships. What is it going to take to start connecting on deep shots Pose burner at pose burner. I I like what I'm seeing. I think that I think this is like a, a multi-year thing. Lamar only likes to throw deep balls that won't get picked. That means he does not throw 50-50 deep balls. He does not like to give the DB a chance. He only likes it if there's a step. In order for him to see that there's a step, he waited a step too long or a hitch too long. I think he gets him out a touch later because he does have such a freaking cannon that he can push the ball downfield uh, without jeopardizing that DB making a play like his balls don't run short sussy comment there uh wow his balls don't run short and I think we saw Zay Flowers get a little bit more of that air on the ball threw it behind I think he got a PI or incompletion uh against the Chargers uh Odell has gotten a couple there uh I really do want to see Rashad Bateman go up and get the ball that's I, I've been waiting for it for so long he did it his rookie year against Cleveland a couple times he did it so much at Minnesota. I want to see him go up and get that football. And I think Lamar's got to get it out a touch earlier, trust his guys a little bit more and put a little tiny bit more air on it. He throws some seeds that can be tougher to catch when a guy's close. You got to give him a chance to adjust and really rebound that football. But again, none of these guys are, you know, six foot three. Uh, out there on the perimeter yeah i think uh he obviously had an inherent bias toward mark andrews not only for the size but just for the uh positioning and the the kind of innate talent that i think andrews had for finding the soft spot not only in the zone and on the ground but in the air and knowing where to put his hands and i mean how many times have we just seen him throw the ball up to mark andrews in the short areas and he comes down with it in the end zone we've seen it happen this year in fact uh, many times so yeah, it's going to be tough, but somebody's going to have to fill that void. And I know none of these guys are over six feet necessarily, but like we said, likely doesn't really seem to play above the rim too much. So yeah, Bateman really he he seems to have that kind of that trait, that Madden trait that he's going to go up and get that ball uh, in certain situations. So I do want to see them get back to that as well. Yeah, I'd like to see likely uh, what he can do trying to go up and get that thing. At Sammy Yusuf four sixteen, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems the Ravens gone away from attacking the middle of the field with consistency. Even when Mark was healthy, you saw Lamar throwing a lot to the outside. Even though Lamar's done really well, why do you think they have stopped targeting the middle of the field? I don't think they have. They haven't stopped targeting the middle of the field. They do still throw the ball over the middle of the field quite a lot, quite more than most. That is where Lamar is best and is arguably the best in the NFL. We just heard Brad talking about Justin Fields and him slash the Bears not targeting the middle of the field. The Ravens still do. Definitely still do. Odell on slants. They they still run slants and breakers for the ball underneath. Um, hasn't been a ton of the, the backside dig stuff, the dagger stuff uh, that Lamar has gotten to. And they are trying to 
elongate the defense, string them out to the sideline so they can run downhill with some of the quarterback run game and open up stuff in the run game. So the screens, things like that. I am looking to see Isaiah Likely and Keaton Mitchell become more of those screen guys, those quick bubble guys, so that Zay Flowers can go run some of that stuff over the middle of the field that we're talking about uh, on those backside digs. A lot of like Hollywood. They used to use Hollywood a lot, and people always get pissy when you're, Hollywood and Zay aren't the same. They have a lot of similarities, and I think that's something Hollywood did really well was work those backside digs and backside inbreakers so that Lamar could read one side of the field and come back to that uh, after creating a void with his eyes there. I feel like they've definitely used it a lot. Like I, I feel like half yeah. of half of Nelson Aguilar's catches are just kind of those. Uh, Nelly, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Nelly's Nelly, and, and uh, Nelly might be the actual X factor now that I think about it. Yeah, and he's been quiet the last couple of weeks. He got off to a really hot start, and then he had a couple of drops in the Chargers game, and I think he had a drop in the game before that. So you know, he he's getting the drops out of his system right now. He, he up hasn't really dropped. He's had some tough catches. I'll give him that. He hasn't dropped one where I was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, there hasn't been like the uh, the meme of the guy looking at the camera. Nothing nearly to that extent. I think he's been overall an exceptionally just net positive for this team. So I concur. Uh, I think we have our last one here, which is what has the offense struggle or why is the offense struggled on the deep ball? And do you think it'll be fixed after the buy? So we, we, we kind of talked about that or I thought it was a different question ultimately, but it was not. Um, so that is it. Uh, we have another one. If likely Garrett Ferguson at Garrett sprints, if likely is playing well, do you risk Andrews coming back in the AFC championship game or super bowl? If he's medically, I think he meant cleared with the possibility of setback impacting next season, or do you ride with likely and Kohler? What do I always say? Strap them up. Smoke them if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. And I don't think you can possibly, like, Mark Andrews might, like, suicide bomb. Oh, I shouldn't have said that on fucking YouTube. Is it, has it, Have there been any incidents with that recently that we could? Uh, we'll, we'll bloop that one out. Mark Andrews might do some Joker Heath Ledger stuff if you try to keep him out of playing in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, like, the guy's a diabetic, and he's somehow an NFL player. I think he's, you know... If he if he wants to go, you put him out there, and I think he'll want to go if he's medically cleared. So it was very eye opening. On uh, I, I didn't watch. I think I maybe just saw clips on social, but Ravens wired. It was like all of them were talking about Mark Andrews against the Chargers. Like do it for Mark, do it for Mark. Oh yeah. Um, I think that is a. I think that hope is like the real Aaron Rodgers comeback. Like that that is going to be the nice story that gets everybody bonded and I can't think of the right word forged together to what is the right word? God, that's going to make me mad. Uh, gets every bonds, the team together with a common goal of playing so that Mark Andrews can come back and play galvanizes them, you know, kind of galvanizes is exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. So I love that aspect of it. And yeah, Jake, Jake, you said it best smoke them. If you got them, uh, we didn't really get much on Instagram. I posted it kind of late and we got really good Twitter feedback. So appreciate you guys there. Uh, anything else that came in? Let me see. We had uh, at Eric RDT. Heard Spenny is a poop head. Is that true? Streets are saying, ha, ha, ha. What position should the Ravens target in the draft? By the way, we're winning the Super Bowl, but I'm just asking still. And we touched on it a bit. I mean, Brad got into it. They are strong. The Ravens are already strong at the areas that aren't premium positions. Feels like you feel good about what they've done at outside linebacker a little bit. We'll see what happens with Justin Matabike, but you're going to look to corner. You're going to look to receiver. You're going to look to offensive tackle and pretty good year for receiver and for tackle. It should be coming up. Yeah. I'd, uh, 
I'd probably just keep beating this offensive line drum. I just think it's going to be important to keep that pipeline uh, rejuvenated. It just it always gets me a little ner- nervous when you're getting near that point where you're going to need to uh, restock the cupboard a little bit. It hasn't been often that we've seen the Ravens field a team with a bad offensive line, but when they have, it's just like it's the worst feeling in the world as a fan. So hoping that they uh, they continue to go to that well. Most certainly. Uh, real quick for our smooth AF smooth play of the week, I'm going to go with in the Monday night football game, Jamar Chase batting that ball back and forth like a cat with a string of yarn to himself and just hauling it in. Speaking of war horses, Jake, I know, I know you tweeted and said it was really fun to be able to root for the Bengals, obviously wanting the Bengals to beat the Jaguars. A little bit of sarcasm sprinkled in there, but yeah. you No, you love it. You loved it in the all-whites, didn't you? I mean, like, I've always, I mean, you know I love Jamar Chase coming out in the draft. They're fun to watch. It's just like the Zach Taylor thing, man. I can't do it. Like some of the stuff with the offense down the stretch there, it reminded me Actually, of like no, we're whoa, 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 whoa. we're reverting. I'm cutting you off. We're reverting. This is going to be smooth brain of this, the week. Yeah, the smooth brain is the well, everything that was going on in that final sequence. I think it was in regulation when they were backing up. How like thirty yard? They were down to like the twenty, and then they're all those all of a sudden back to the fifty. And you know, thankfully they got the goat, uh, our guy McFearless there at kicker, who was able to come through for them a couple times. But my God, that was it was brutal. And I know they had Jake Browning, but they, you're, you're missing the smooth brain of the week. Well, I, we, yeah, I, you're right about that too. I actually, I was, uh, you know, you know, to, to tell myself a little bit as uh, maybe not a, a huge hashtag football guy was kind of balls deep in uh, Baldur's Gate three last night. So I missed that part of the game, but I tuned into the second half and uh, yeah, no, I, I caught it on Twitter. You saw the highlights still though. Uh, yeah. And Tyler Boyd, my God, <laughs> the guy is that, that guy, was like the third play of the game that your boy, Zach Taylor dialed up. That was just some wide reversing weird situation and i have never seen a brain go smoother just like zero friction it's always they always do that with him too they did it last year in the uh the thursday night game when they came to baltimore and marcus peters kind of coming back he just blows he was a high school quarterback or whatever yeah exactly it's like you gotta you gotta give up the fantasy at a certain point and like <laughs> we gotta move away from this like it's not I worth feel it like any position player throwing the ball has not been a thing in like two years. Like, yeah. I feel like we haven't seen highlights of it. Maybe there's a couple, but I feel like that defenses are not fooled by the throwback receiver or running back throwing the ball or whatever. They did one to Jake Browning too. That's what it was. They threw him back to Jake Browning and lost a bunch of yards super early in that game. So Zach Taylor's brain, flat, smooth there. Tyler Boyd's brain was like glass. You could just, you could hear the wind whistle as he threw that ball right to Josh Allen. That guy is a fucking electric factory, by the way. He's had some uh, some off-the-field stuff, and he's, like, talking on Twitter a lot. He had the 4th and 12 against the Rams. I mean, it's just a, what a what a roller coaster of a career for Tyler Boyd. He he certainly has one. Uh, it, he Just an interesting player. He's definitely a fan favorite in Cincy. you got to love that guy if you're a Cincinnati fan. He, he reminds me of a TJ Hoosh back in the day. Like, not the best receiver. Yeah, but like, he has, he has TJ Hooshman Zeta vibes. Yeah, but he just fucking he dogs you. He's got a lot to say. Like, he, you know, good player. He'll be he'll be talking shit on like FS1 in like six years. For yeah, sure. Yep, I could see it. But uh, yeah, no, the Bengals. I mean, that that was kind of a disgrace having to root for them a little bit. But uh, yeah, that was the uh, that was the smooth brain for sure. 
Um, yeah, a little bit of an out of structure episode. So we wanted to shout them out. Also got to shout out our guys at Black Eyed Susan Spices. Uh, you can check them out uh, at blackeyedspices.com. They've got uh, Ace Hardware locations where they're selling their products. I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, a ton uh, of the locations. DC and Baltimore area. Yeah, pretty much in the uh, in the metro areas there. So you got them in Canton, Fed Hill. You've got them in a lot of the different DC neighborhoods so they can be found uh, on their website, blackeyedspices.com. Promo code EXIT52 for a nice little 10% off there. It's uh, really the, uh, the season to make some chili. So you want to throw some... Uh, Throw some hot sauce in your chili there. Let that marinate. Do like the a spicy pot. chili. Go get Death by Chocolate and throw it in there. Oh yeah, anything. They've got the Cannibal Crush that's been out for a couple months now. So yeah, check those guys out as well. BlackEyedSusanSpices.com. Uh, with that, I think that about does it. Went a little longer than we usually do here, but had a really fun interview with Brad. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you can throw us a like and a subscribe on YouTube, we love you. Even if you don't like to listen on YouTube, we love you. If you could subscribe. Help the boys keep bringing you some awesome content here as we come down the home stretch. Got some fun things lined up. We'll be having our preview of the Ravens Rams Sunday one o'clock kickoff as Sean Spiky Armadillo Hair McVeigh travels to go take on Johnny Grandfather Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens there. So we'll have that for you on Friday. Appreciate you guys so much for listening. Also, uh, yeah, before we get out of here, uh, Glenn Clark obviously had us on 105.7 the other night uh, in studio, which was a ton of fun to sit in with him and do an hour as a little State of the Ravens type thing. Hope everyone got to catch that. You can, I think you can probably go back and listen to that. I think Odyssey has like a platform. Um, so yeah, if, if you want to catch our appearance there. But I bring it up because he is doing uh, his annual uh, sort of thing that he does with helping up mission uh, in downtown Baltimore. It's a, a homeless shelter uh, helps guys get back on their feet. Uh, and he's doing a 50, 50 college football bowl pick em contest uh, as a benefit to them. So $20 to sign up for the pick em. winner gets half half goes to charity. Uh, you can Venmo him at Glenn dash Clark. PayPal is Glenn Clark. One eighty. cash app is Glenn Clark radio. So uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, check that out. See if you can get involved. Like I said, 20 bucks to sign up. Half goes to you, half goes to charity if you win. So uh, good stuff that Glenn's doing there. We wanted to shout it out on the pod. Definitely help the fellows get back on their feet, a noble cause. And you can win a little bit of money too, as much as we think the holidays are about, you know, drinking fun drinks and TVs and electronic gifts and flannels. It's about helping. It's about giving. That's what should make you feel good. It feels good to give. So go gamble a little bit, go give a little bit, have some fun with it and support Glenn, who's been doing that for quite some time. And, support a fantastic cause. Absolutely. So uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find us uh, on social media at exit52podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Follow us all there. We're trying to build those channels up. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That is the number four. Eric is at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Uh, covering Orioles all the time. <laughs> Interesting stuff going on with them in the uh, the lease deadline right now, which somehow we're still talking about uh, at uh, Barstool Banks is where you can find Brian. Uh, Taylor Smythe 10 is where you can find Taylor. Uh, and uh, for anyone not watching on YouTube, go ahead and uh, go there to our page, X52 Podcast. Throw us a subscribe, throw us a like on our videos, comment, get that algorithm pumping. Really appreciate all the help as we come to uh, the end of calendar year one here. It's been a ton of fun. We appreciate you guys very much. And uh, let's make the uh, last couple weeks of 2023 some good ones. So thanks again for listening. And we will talk to you guys again very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. Execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. Big trust. Hey!
<laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me.